Cody after WrestleMania, what will Ring of Honor look like from NXT, and the latest going on with Triple H and talking about that interview from Stephen A. Smith. Next on the Squared Circle Psycho Babble, my name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, we got some questions here for our weekly fan Q&A. We'll start with a couple that we got from the community page from Mex for Life and Samson for Kali basically asking the same thing. Where do you see Cody Rhodes going after WrestleMania? Yeah, good question. I mean, first of all, he's, he has to arrive in, uh, in WWE, which is the most important thing. I think him and Vera are probably on the longest uh, trek to actually appearing at the main roster, but at least we kind of have an idea of when Vera is going to uh, be arriving. So uh, for Cody, I think... So the, one of the rumors that I was reading about was that there are two prominent individuals that are really pushing Vince McMahon to position Cody as a major player. And I, and I think that's really what they do need to do. Um, I know that there's obviously some concern that they're going to more or less bury Cody because he's the guy that went to AEW. He was integral in, the, in forming AEW and essentially creating the competition that WWE now has. Uh, I, I think that's a huge mistake if they do that because it's going to send the message to anybody in AEW that may ever consider making that jump to back to WWE or coming to WWE that look, you can come over here, but we're just not going to utilize you, right? And that's already a knock on them. That's why they have so many people either leaving or choosing AEW over WWE. So with Cody, um, if he beats Seth, whatever the outcome may be, I think the only logical step for him is to put, position him right in the main event. Um, I think it would be, first of all, I do think that Roman is going to go over Brock. I, I just, because Brock, mm -hmm. while he's been there, he's traditionally been more of a part-timer. So I think that after WrestleMania, we'll probably see him uh, take a break for a little bit. With Roman being there more consistently, I can see Cody challenging for the championship, or sh that's where I should. I, I think he should be, uh, just to kind of position him as a major player. Have him come in, debut, maybe beat Seth, uh, be a guy that can go and challenge for the title. He doesn't necessarily need to win. You can have him get uh, screwed and and have somebody like Edge as an example. You know, let's assume Edge goes over AJ, or even if he loses, he screws Roman and they. I'm sorry, he screws uh, Cody in in a match with Roman or something like that, and he automatically transitions into a feud with with Edge. There's nothing wrong with that. So um, I think he should be in the main event uh, picture after WrestleMania. So if I just want to understand this correctly. You, you're saying put Cody against Roman almost instantly. Yes. Yeah. I think you need to do that. I think you need to send the message to guys like, you know, and I know this is probably mostly a work, but I also feel like people like Jade Cargill and MJF have the eye of certain individuals at WWE. Yes. You know, because WWE... As much as we're criticizing them, they are trying to at least create a foundation of good young talent uh, through NXT 2.0, signing Gable Stevenson, uh, guys like Austin Theory getting some recognition and getting some spotlight in WrestleMania. And I think that it makes sense to put Cody in that picture. So now he's just another guy that they can have potentially challenging for titles. Um, and if you don't do that, you send the message that, look not worth you coming here mjf jade cardgill don't don't come here we're not going to use you right so send the correct message use him properly he's certainly at that level or at least was pretty much at that level in AEW. so why not capitalize on this right i will agree that they're going to use him better than what some people expect him to be you're not paying him three to five million dollars as right. reported to you to go back to stardust or bury him or put him in yellow 
and black polka dots like his dad. I think at this point, they are going to make him a big player. Obviously, instantly putting him in a match with Seth Rollins and the big storyline with Seth Rollins heading into WrestleMania makes you think already, you know, it's going to be good for Cody. The way I would approach it, though, by making him a main event player is instantly say, listen, he's not defined to Raw. He's not defined to SmackDown. He is a free agent. And let him go on both shows and let him, yeah. you know, challenge, you know, Edge and AJ Styles on Raw and on SmackDown. He could go against Ricochet and Sami Zayn and guys like that. And eventually, you know, slow burn it to eventually see Roman Reigns, maybe at SummerSlam or Survivor Series or even next year's Royal Rumble. That's where I think that should go. Now, if he doesn't beat Roman Reigns, is that necessarily a failure or, oh, it's just what we all planned? Or thought, no, you know, Roman. You said Roman. You mean Seth? No, no, I'm talking about Roman. Eventually, when he faces Roman, yeah, you know, because people are going to say, oh, he wins all these matches just to get fed to Roman. We need to stop that mentality of, oh, he's just getting fed to Roman. There's nothing wrong with losing to Roman Reigns. He is the face of the company right now. He is the top guy in WWE right now. And if you lose to him, it's not a bad thing. Were people fed to Hulk Hogan? Were people fed to Stone Cold Steve Austin? Were they fed to John Cena? You could say maybe, but at the same time, it didn't hurt their careers unless no. the aftermath really dictated that. No, and, and you know, that's that's really a weak art. And again, these types of arguments and narratives come up all the time, uh, specifically on, on Twitter and other social media platforms. And I, I just feel like it's mostly contributed to like the tribalism that is existing right now in wrestling, just to just to tear down Roman or even on the other side, because it's not just the WWE thing to tear down Hangman Page and say, oh, well, his title reign has been underwhelming. Look, if these guys are supposed to be the champion, look at Floyd Mayweather. He's never lost. Nobody goes and says, oh, well, they were feeding. No, like. They're that much better than everybody. They should be beating everybody. That's why guys like Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar beat pretty much everybody they face or have over the past couple of years because now that brings a head to WrestleMania. Was supposedly quoted, you know, the, the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. We've debated that. Even if you don't agree with that, it's still a big match, mostly because they've been fed everybody, because they've beaten everybody in their wake. And... That's what you need to do. That's how you build people up and you kind of set... You, AW has a ranking system. The number one guy, the champion, should be that much better than everybody else beneath him. Mm -hmm. uh, Roman Reigns should beat everybody he faces until he comes across a contender that can beat him. It's no different in real sports. Right. Uh, so uh, that said, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with Cody losing because there's other matches and other feuds he can have that will be just as important or as impactful for his career Edge, AJ Styles. When's the last time we saw AJ Styles challenge for a world championship, but nobody considers him kind of uh, subpar or lower tier? You know, so those are the type of feuds that can help create somebody. Seth, Roman, uh, you know, uh, AJ Styles, Edge, certainly. So guys like that, I, I think those only make sense for Cody Rhodes. To answer your question about AJ Styles, I believe it was TLC 2020 in a TLC match against Drew McIntyre. That was the last time he challenged for yeah. either the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship, which I don't think he ever challenged for the Universal Championship. You don't but, need to be in the title picture to be prominent. I mean, and just and as Cody's like a proven that. Argument, 
Cody's well, not just that. him, but and it's not just WWE. I mean, look at look at AEW. Look at what Daniel Bryan has done since challenging for world championships and yep. facing some of the top competition. He's still positioned now. Granted, that's AEW and WWE tends to focus more on the top tier guys, your Brock Lesnar's, your Roman Reigns. But if you have a guy like Cody that can go out there and cut promos the way he does and has the personality that he does, you don't necessarily need to rely on. Strong storytelling. And what I mean by that is he's one of those guys that could pretty much make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Right. You give him something, he'll run with it, and it should be at least something you can digest. Now, I do want to bring this up because we're heading into WrestleMania, and we know right now it seems like it's a foregone conclusion that the Intercontinental and U.S. titles (sighs) will not have a match at WrestleMania. Now, They're going to be featured at SmackDown Friday, if you want to call that part of WrestleMania weekend. I don't. But what if Cody comes out and puts legitimacy back into those titles? You know, because honestly, outside of The Miz, who really brings legitimacy to the Intercontinental Championship? When was the last time the U.S. title really had relevancy when John Cena was doing open challenges? Cody Rhodes could do that same thing and help build the mid card and the upper mid card with the intercontinental or U S title could certainly do that. Uh, going back to what you said about open challenges. I mean, AW will sometimes kind of, uh, call back to feuds that happened prior to the fruition of AW. I I know they've done that a couple of times, so there'd be nothing wrong with Cody literally going out there. If he were to win one of those titles, the U S championship, the intercontinental championship and say, you know, I'm one who loves, uh, open an open challenge and literally start doing exactly what John Cena did. That can only help. Um, there's a lot of people that he could face in that mid card or upper mid card too. You got guys like Finn Balor, Damian Priest, uh, Austin Theory is a guy that I think coming out of WrestleMania is going to have a lot of shine on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are guys that I think Cody can certainly feud with as well. Right, totally agree. Now let's move over to AEW Ring of Honor. They're going to have the Super Card of Honor. This weekend at WrestleMania, we got a question here from Big C187 Stevens. He asked, Ring of Honor, when it comes back, will it basically be what it was? Or will it change to more of something we see from AEW Dark or an NXT 2.0 for AEW? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of hope for Ring of Honor. And the reason I'm going to say that is this. Look, AEW has a very, very loyal fan base. Um. They've got their two shows. They got Dynamite and they got Rampage. But it's very obvious that there's one of those shows that their fan base is going to gravitate towards on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And only a certain percentage of their fan base is going to gravitate towards the other, which is Rampage. There's a lot of wrestling out there right now. There's a lot of content to consume. And you have some fans, not all of those fans that watch AEW, but some of those fans like us, we do watch both. I was already recording Ring of Honor because there were... Xfinity or Comcast or whatever we have here. I don't know if other people have access to this, but prior to it getting cut or whatever ended up happening with Ring of Honor, I would record it. How many times did I actually go back and watch that recording? Slim to none unless it was like a major match or somebody that I really wanted to see. So you can inject mostly whatever talent you want to Ring of Honor. I just think it's going to be really difficult to convince somebody to now go and watch a third show that is under the umbrella of AEW. So if you're somebody that watches Raw, SmackDown, NXT, uh, Rampage, Dynamite, 
now asking them to go and be dedicated to Ring of Honor. I think people are more likely to show up for like pay-per-views or big events and buy a ticket and actually go to those or watch those shows. Um, but I think they're less likely to tune in on a weekly basis. Um, so would you say it would be more like NXT 1.0 where I think most people didn't really watch the week-to-week shows on the WWE Network, but always showed up for takeovers? Yeah. Yes, I do. I think that, so I think they're going to come out strong. I think they'll have some dedication. It will probably be very similar to like what you saw with Rampage. Like once that debuted, it came out strong for a couple of weeks and then the numbers kind of started to slowly dip. And now they're kind of more consistent a little between like what, 500, 600,000 on a weekly Something basis. Something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that they'll do okay. Um, I don't know, man. There's just so much wrestling that people can consume right now and asking them to be dedicated, especially because it's not called AEW. And people are saying, oh, well, that doesn't matter. It really does, you know, because you have wrestling fans that are solely dedicated to certain brands. And once it says Ring of Honor, it's not going to be like Ring of Honor presented by AEW or Tony Khan. Right. You know, not everybody's going to know that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think probably similar to what NXT used to be, where they have big shows and great wrestling matches. That's what I see. Not so much weekly television and a loyal fan base. Right. Now, I know a lot of people are asking. I know it was brought up in our community page about a weekly television show. And the question I ask is, where is it going to be? Like, yeah. like, if you're talking about a big TV deal, and I'm think when I think big TV deal, working in the industry... I'm thinking one of the broadcast networks, which it's definitely not going to be NBC because they deal with WWE. It's definitely not going to be Fox for that same reason. ABC and Disney, I don't think, as many people want to say they're going to buy WWE, I just don't think there's any interest in having a weekly wrestling show either on ABC or ESPN. I just don't think that. Also, you know, you talk about the major cable networks. Obviously, USA, WWE. TNT and Warner Media already have AEW. Then you go yep. down. Oh, what about Paramount? Paramount already got bit by Impact Wrestling. Do they want to go back into the wrestling game with Ring of Honor? Even though Impact had, I think, more of a strong lead in when they got at, on Spike TV than Ring of Honor does right now. I don't see that happening. And then you look at the other ones like A&E, no, or those networks like Vice maybe, but they were dealing with MLW. Discovery Channel, no, because they target more women than they do men. Where's it going? I don't see a big TV sh- deal with yeah. that. Streaming deal? Maybe if they could like reconfigure Honor Club and get that back and running again, or they make a deal with Fight TV and that helps maybe get AEW pay-per-views domestically on Fight TV. Other than that, I don't see anything big TV-wise. No, I, I think that the stations and the networks that want wrestling... Have wrestling. Yes. They already have. And you're not, not only that, but look how long it took for, uh, for another promotion to really come, come out and, and get a backing from a, a station. That, that doesn't happen very often. And, and not only that, but if you're taking, if, if, I'm, if I'm the owner of some broadcast mm-hmm. station, you now have to convince me that I have to invest in this company that does, does, has no track right. record, at least as far as television is right. concerned. Tony Khan now has to convince them, okay, yes, we are going to be able to make this work. And maybe he can do that, but there's a good chance he won't be able to because traditionally 
wrestling doesn't have the best track record when it comes to TV. You've had WWE, which has been successful for however mm -hmm. long. You had WCW. Uh, Impact or TNA kind of had like a, 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 a peak, and now it's nothing. And AEW is, is currently having some success, but it's not like Ring of Honor has this crazy success that Tony Khan can go and say, hey, they have a loyal fan base. AEW has a loyal fan base, but if I'm a TV guy, I'm saying, I want AEW. I don't want Ring of Honor. I want the Kenny Omegas. I want whoever else your big stars mm -hmm. are. I don't want like Jonathan Gresham. And he's a great wrestler, but he, it's not like he's a household name that's going to draw attention to my network or my TV right. station. Right, right. and I think a lot of people need... I think they understand that the way AEW was able to get on TNT is because, look, we had Chris Jericho. We had Cody yeah. Rhodes. We yeah. have John Moxley. Like, these are guys that are recognized from WWE that could bring in viewers and could bring in advertising dollars. Right now, Ring of Honor can't do that unless they do like a cross brand thing, like we kind of see with NXT 2.0 where we see some guys from Raw head over to NXT and vice versa. If that happens, maybe down the line it could get a TV deal, but still, where's it going? Like, are you going to put it on true yeah. TV? And I wouldn't call that a big TV deal. It's a good one. It's better than whatever Ring of Honor ever had, but I wouldn't call that a big TV deal. I mean, that's just coming from someone in the industry. But speaking of promotions getting TV deals, there's this one that apparently has one even though they haven't announced it yet, and that is Control Your Narrative. And they, re they oh, released wow. their rules not too long ago, and one of the rules was brought up in a question from Zero the Hero. He asked, what's your thoughts on rule number five, which is no Tope Suicidas, no Super Kicks, no Canadian Destroyers? The more I look at this promotion or wrestling company or whatever you want to call it, the more I'm just reminded of Raw Underground. To me, that's exactly kind of what this is. Yeah. Uh, no super... I mean, okay. Uh, sure, if that's what you want to do. Um, do I think there's too much of that in pro wrestling right now? Absolutely. I, I watch so many... And, you know, the next conversation we're going to have after this episode is going to be geared towards several matches that we consider two of the all-time best. And, and there's one guy that used a super kick, but very few super kicks or dives or any of the, of the other crazy stuff that kind of some of the matches rely on today. Mm -hmm. um, do I, I don't know. I Do I think it's going to work for them? Um, no. I think that they are going to be geared towards a very, uh, a much older demographic. I don't know if they're going to really be that successful, but um, I don't know. R Raw Underground 2.0 for me. Right. I think. Right. It definitely has that kind of mentality. When, every time you look at the the rules and stuff. I agree with you that it definitely like brings out the raw underground, but I also want to see like how it's going to be presented because the way that the control your narrative shows that they've done already with EC three and, and Titan or Braun Strowman, whatever he's going to be called now, they were very cinematic and like thinking of the boneyard match at WrestleMania, the firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania and come up uh, some of those, um, cinematic matches that we had at the beginning of the pandemic. Is that going to be an approach to these matches? And it's kind of confusing. Some of these rules, like there's a sanctioned match and there's an unsanctioned match. So yeah. Is it like fight club? And then is every match now non-sanctioned unless it's like the sanctioned match is more special than an, it's very confusing. 
and kind of contradicting when you look at some of these these rules. It's like number one, you control your narrative. Number two, you control your narrative. It's a predetermined sport. How do you control the narrative when someone has to go over? Like, is someone going to eventually like go into business for themselves in this show? Well, because it's rule number one: you control your narrative. Go into business for yourself. I mean. Austin, uh, Austin Aries is a member of that promotion. So yes, you never know with that. Right. I mean, I, I, I'd be interested. I definitely would see the first episode just to see what it's like, but I don't know how much, how much it's going to last. I really don't, but best of luck to tight. I, I would, I'm a big Strowman Mark. You know, I've said it thousands of times. He should have been the next guy, but they didn't pull the trigger when they should have. EC3 probably didn't get the the push he should have in WWE. Yeah. And then Austin Theory, you know, we all know about Austin, Austin Theory. Aries. But we'll call that's what I mean. Austin Aries. I'm sorry. Austin Aries, not Austin Theory. Austin Theory has a bright future ahead of him. Yes, but he does. let's head to our let's head to our final question, which actually was sent to me uh through a direct message on Facebook from Scott C. He does listen to our podcast and watches all the time. He does comment once in a while. He's a big Triple H fan. Yep. So he was definitely heartbroken when he heard the news that Triple H is retiring from his in-ring competition after all the heart problems that he had back in September. A lot worse than a lot of people were initially thinking. You know, he's got a defibrillator in his heart. So, Ralph, what were your thoughts on the interview with Stephen A. Smith and Triple H's career as a whole? All right. So the interview itself was uh, very telling. I thought it was a really good interview. I texted you last night. I said, hey, did you get a chance to watch the interview? It was actually done really well. Um, they talked about a lot. They talked about Triple H's current health situation, the fact that he was retiring. They talked about the future of the industry and how now it's pretty much on Triple H to go out there and find the next megastar, the, the larger than life figure, whether that's Gable Stevenson, somebody at the, and, and Triple H kind of pointed at this too. He said, look, that person could already be here. They just have to do and say the right thing. And that's how wrestling works. You mm -hmm. say and do the right thing, much like Stone Cold did. And you turn the wrestling world on fire and all of a sudden you're the next big thing. Um, it's crazy to me to think that in the past couple months, we've had such great revealing interviews between Brock Lesnar, Vince McMahon, and now the, this most recent one with Triple H. So the interview itself was, was really good. As far as Triple H is concerned, actually, let me talk about the fallout from that interview because it wasn't like he went into that and did like this big pomp and circumstance, I'm retiring, oh, all that type of stuff. He just pretty much said, this is my health update and I'm done. I will never wrestle again. And then, you know, you start going on social media everywhere. I got texts from friends that haven't watched wrestling in years talking about it. And the outpouring cry of just support that Triple H got from people that he's worked with, mm -hmm. the people he's trained. And, you know, just as far as that stuff is concerned, as big as the IWC is, it's kind of it, it kind of reminds you how small it is as well. And what I mean by that is because Triple H to a lot of fans, doesn't have the best reputation. Um, I should say a lot of fans. To, to, to a certain percentage, a small percentage of fans, they think that he was only afforded opportunities because of who he married and his position and all this stuff, and he never put anybody over. When in reality, you kind of look at the support that he got, and it was, unless you're Ryback, nothing further from the oh truth. Oh, my God. Uh, 
That was that, the talk dumbest about thing. an ill-timed. I don't ever come on here and talk poorly about wrestlers because I don't think it's my place. But it's like, dude, like, come on. That's that. Just either don't tweet or just, you know, at least support or whatever. But you know, you you had all these guys uh, and all all these other female wrestlers. Anybody that's worked or most people that worked with Triple H and fans just. Uh, supporting him and saying, you know, if it wasn't for you, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't be where I am talking about most of the people he's trained in NXT, uh, which to me, you know, you look at pro wrestling, Triple H had a lot of influence, not just on NXT and what it was and what was probably the, one of the best brands going back like three or four years ago. Um, some of the best shows and best pay-per-views that WWE was putting out. And he was responsible for that. But even when you look at like what's going on in AEW, some of the talent that's gone over there, some of the people that he's worked with and trained and all those types of things. So Mm -hmm. um, it is unfortunate. It's crazy to see right now a time in pro wrestling where a lot of the wrestlers that we grew up with, some of them are still actively wrestling and at the, you know, maybe the peak or like the, 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 um, a point in their career where they're still finding success, like a guy like a Chris Jericho. And then mm-hmm. you have guys like, unfortunately, like a Triple H who just can't do it anymore. Right. Uh, Kurt Angle, the same thing. So um, Triple H was a pivotal guy during the Attitude Era. Uh, always was a fan of his. Uh, more so a fan of the way he carried himself with NXT. I always kind of appreciated that as, as uh, somebody who kind of works in management um, and just seeing how successful NXT was for quite a while. Um, so yeah, I, I, it stinks to see him go, but at the same time, he's had a great career. Right. I, I, the thing that I took out of it, obviously he was, it was only a 15 minute interview, the one that's on YouTube and the one that was on TV. I don't know if there's a longer version of it, but the, from the 15 minutes you, you heard obviously the heart condition and that he's never going to wrestle again, which, which sucks because even at his age, the matches he was putting on were still really, really good matches. Granted, they might have been longer than most of the other guys, but they deserve to be. I mean, you look at his match with Batista at WrestleMania, you could argue that was one of the better matches at WrestleMania 35, and that was a great show. We were there for it. You know, it's, it's shocking to see, like, at that show, we saw Batista's final match, we saw Angle's final match, and we saw mm-hmm. Triple H's final WrestleMania match. All yeah. in one night. And now to think about that in retrospect, you're like, damn. We're not, I mean, obviously we were expecting Angle and most expected Batista, but you weren't expecting Triple H to have his final Mania match at that WrestleMania. Uh, I think the other thing too, you brought up his management and his influence to today's wrestling. A lot of people, when they switched from NXT to NXT 2.0, were like, oh, He's not going to take control of the company. Should he leave and go to AEW? Should he take over Ring of Honor? Should he start his own company? Let's think about this for a second. We see this two-night event at WrestleMania this weekend. How many on that card went through NXT? Uh, think about it. How many? I, I have thought about it. I've, I've made this case a, a, a ton of times when people say that, oh, they don't produce. Look, it's not that they don't produce stars. It's just... Some of them go through NXT and take all the advice and they can take it to the next level and some of them can't. Right. No, that's just how it is. If it was that easy, everybody would be able to make a jump to the main roster, not just in WWE, but in AEW and be successful. And that just doesn't happen. Right. And you look at the guys that made the transition that, you know, were released or whatever, left WWE and went to AEW and have strong pushes. 
How many of them went through NXT first? You know, and how many of them had somewhat decent success in WWE before they moved to AEW? A lot of the guys that, you know, are floundering or, you know, kind of stuck in where they are, not getting quite the push yet. We're kind of those guys that, you know, they were good in NXT, didn't quite make it to the main roster. Now they go to AEW and they're not there yet. But the guys that, you know, listen to Triple H were able to transition to the main roster and then they transition to AEW. You see it all the time, whether it's Moxley, you know, uh, Daniel, Brian, Dan, uh, Daniel, Brian, Brian Danielson, whatever you want to call him. You look at Adam Cole, even though he never really transitioned to the main roster, but he was the face of NXT for years under Triple H. Yeah. Obviously making the transition to AEW. Miro, another guy that had years in NXT, made, had a decent run in WWE, has a decent run in AEW. You know, so Triple H has a lot of influence in today's WWE, even though people might not want to admit it but also has the influence in today's AEW, even though they might not want to admit that either. The other thing too is he's going to be the guy responsible for finding that next megastar, as you pointed out. Could it be Gable Steveson? Could it be Braun Breaker? Could it be Von Wagner? Could it be Tony D'Angelo? You know, could it be someone in the women's division? Could it be Akora Jade? Could it be... You know, Mandy Rose went back to NXT. Could it be Mandy Rose again that becomes the next megastar? We don't know. And that's something Triple H pointed out. Could it be someone that is, you know, someone that they're pushing like Roman Reigns? And he even said, like, they're there now, but we won't recognize it till 10 years down the line. There are guys like that. Cena is a great example of that. I think people now point to, oh, Cena really was better than what we expected said back in years past who's going to be that guy roman could be that guy now yep yeah no i i agree 100 especially with the the point of cena i mean i can't tell you how many times even myself or our fans back then were talking about oh we you know i i i can't stand cena even edge like guys fans sometimes were like ah i'm sick of edge i'm sick of cena i'm sick of orton and now it's like you almost want to cherish guys like that because you do, unfortunately, unfortunately, you are going to have a point in their careers like a Triple H where they just won't be able to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's it's Roman and 10 years from now, we're looking back and saying, you know what? He was actually a much bigger star than we thought. Um, or you look at whatever, AEW, WWE, the main roster, and you look at some of the people that are finding success. It's very obvious that Triple H has had a certain amount of influence just as a character. Um, and people looking up to him and that, you know, him influencing young wrestlers to move up and, and follow their dream. Um, but also from the training aspect and what mm-hmm. he did and how he worked with them at the NXT level. And for everybody that kind of, unfortunately, during those Wednesday night wars, if you want to call it that, kind of brushed him aside and, and talked about how he's a failure and all that stuff. It's really, honestly, if you look at everything that t- t- tweeted from the actual talent that was working with him, it's really the furthest thing from the truth because they all, most of them gave him credit and acknowledgement for the success that they're finding in the industry itself, even if they're not still with WWE. Right. And I think even if he's not going to be the chairman of the board, like Vince is, he's still going to have a pivotal role in WWE. Yeah. And he seems to be okay with that. He doesn't need to run the company, but he could be a guy that 
you know, maybe he finds enjoyment of finding the next young guy and building him up and making, or her, building her up to be the next mega star in, in professional wrestling. He doesn't need to be Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, right. like, does his own thing. Triple H could be his own thing, and they could have someone else be, you know, run the company on the back end, and he could just do what he does and does what he loves. And that's what I think another great point of that interview was. I thought it was a great interview. I didn't realize Stephen A. Smith was that big of a wrestling fan, but, you know, he is, and that's great to see, too, and it's great to see, like, more of these revealing interviews with guys that typically don't have these kind of interview interviews, and I hope we see more of them. I really do. Whether it's another one with Vince or Triple H or Brock Lesnar, I'd like to see more of them because you see a lot of the guys, they have interviews as they're coming up, but when they're that big of a name, it's hard to get an interview with them. And you know, and and this is kind of a whole nother topic we can get into that we won't right now. But do you do you know why those interviews are so impactful? Maybe not so much with Triple H, but certainly Vince, Brock. You go back and look at the uh, the, the interviews with the Undertaker and the documentary about the Undertaker, because these were the guys that were protecting their personality, protecting their character for years mm-hmm. and years and years. Right. They would not break character. That was the. The MJF you see on TV is the MJF you're going to get on Twitter. It's the MJF you're going to get when you meet him in the airport in person. Um, so when they've had a 10, 20, 15, however long year career, these are the more impactful interviews because you're getting insight into who they, they really truly are. Um, so that's why I think it's important for younger guys to kind of take from that and try to protect their, their character mm-hmm. or whatever it is they have. Yep. And not not be so open about certain things where it's like, all right, well, on Twitter, I'm this this nice guy. And over here, I'm just playing a bad. Right. Thing, so. Right. So I think it was a great interview. Let us know what you guys thought of the interview. And if you have any other questions for us to answer, let us know in the comments below. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. SCPB podcast. Subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babble.